Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. Welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Hope everybody's having a great day out there. Let's get started here at the top of the noon hour with the Angelus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, that grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son, was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I hope everybody's doing well out there. I hope that we're having a good time, and I hope that we're having a good time as Catholics in our hearts is really what I'm trying to say. You know, it's interesting when we say, gosh, I hope you're having a good time. One of the biggest issues that has come up lately is uh, I've been talking to people and, uh, you know, different things have been going on in our Catholic world. People are really scared about Marian prophecies and what's going on with Russia, with the Ukraine, with the Pope visiting Russia. What's going on with all these different things? What did Our Lady say at Fatima? What did Our Lady say at different apparitions? Um, there's different prophecies for our time. Uh, and one of the things is that a lot of people want to discount certain prophecies. As, uh, you know, I'm hearing all different things. Some people, we go the extreme. Sometimes people get really focused on one prophecy and they say, Fatima is it, and this is what we need to focus on. Other people want to discount it and say, no, no this isn't, none of this is true. Um, you know, we can't count on that. Well, folks, I would say this. I would say, do your research. Find out exactly what's going on. And at the end of the day, be prepared today. I don't know what's going to happen today. I'm hoping I make it to the end of the day and go to sleep tonight and wake up tomorrow. Uh, but we never know what God has in store for us. If you re read the news, there's tragedies all the time, people dying from car accidents, unexpectedly natural disasters. I hope none of that befalls any of us. I hope that we all have what we call a very holy death. You know, I hope we have a very prepared death where we can receive the sacraments, where we can make a very good confession where we can prepare ourselves to get to heaven. Ultimately, that's the most ideal. Does it always happen that way? Not necessarily. But when we are looking at our times, I understand why people sometimes are scared and say, Dr. Sandoval, what's going on with this? My anxiety is creeping up. 
starting to feel a little depressed. I'm seeing what's going on in the world. I'm looking at some of the prophecies of Our Lady, and I just don't know what is going, what's going to happen. You know, is this it? Is this, you know, Our Lady at Fatima said that if we did not pray, Russia would spread her errors. Is that what's happening right now? We always look at Russia, Russia, Russia. Uh, what's going on with Russia and the Ukraine? What's this idea of August 25th coming up in the Ukraine saying that's our Independence Day? But then at the same time, you know, they're they're claiming that they're letting Russia be letting Russia know, be prepared because something might happen. That's pretty scary, you know, I got to say. So justifiably so, anybody who's a little bit worried about what's going on, justifiably so, we don't, we never know what's going to happen in war. We don't know exactly who's allied with who. We don't know what's, at the end of the day, what the big powers that be that have a lot of control are doing. But where do we take back the control in our lives? I think we need to remember a few things. We need to remember that they are not in charge of the world. They might be, you know, the political leaders, the presidents of different countries. They're in charge of the world as far as political matters. But we got to remember that God is still in charge. God is still allowing the planets to circle the solar system. God is still allowing the sun to rise every day. God is allowing the waves of the ocean to, to come and go. And this is all God's doing. This is God's creation. He entrusted it to us. But we need to pray to God. We need to focus on God. If we look back at different things, remember prophecies are not uh, are not set in stone. We look back at the Bible and we see that, you know, for if there's ten good men in a city or there's five good men in a city, God will spare it, even though God's plan is to bring down uh, justice. I say justice. A lot of people think punishment, but I say justice. God might be thinking, nope, it's time for my justice to prevail here because sin abounds and it's so great. And rightfully so. God has God is God and he knows exactly what he needs to do. But we also see God's mercy. So if we start hearing about prophecies, reading about prophecies, seeing things that are going to uh, not be so good and, and uh, in our lives and we think there's a lot of destruction up ahead, I want us to remember that God will listen to our prayers. And sometimes the prophecies are averted and there's not going to be a punishment. And there's not going to be an issue. If we look at Fatima, Our Lady said, you know, if men do not change their lives and they do not pray, there will be a greater war. And there was. There was a greater war. We didn't pray enough. Our Lady also said, we got to do the first Saturdays. Are we doing the first Saturdays? You know, here at the, at the, at the Sacred Heart Chapel, they're doing the first Saturdays of the month. Now, I do it with them in spirit because having little kids and a family, it's hard to move around and get up all the time, get up to the chapel all the time. But for anybody who can, they do a first first Saturday uh, potluck, you know, you can get up there and, and fulfill uh, our duties uh, as far as our prayers and, and uh, really put our heart into it. And we start to see, hey, I can participate in the justice of our Lord not being so great. I can participate in helping our Lord with his mercy and letting them know we are going to try. We're going to try to lead better spiritual lives. Now, when I said to your homework, We've got to remember there are different prophecies of Our Lady, and this is where I think it's important to look at the different prophecies, different apparitions of Our Lady, different approved apparitions of Our Lady, and ask ourselves, is the message consistent? Is it consistent? That's how you know something's true. You know, when people come to me and they want to know, gosh, am I truly depressed? Am I truly anxious? Do I truly have psychosis or schizophrenia? Am I having spiritual ailments? What I look for as a physician is consistency. I say, okay, 
Now, within the consistency, there can be a little fluctuation, shall we say, but are you consistently anxious? Then yeah, you probably suffer from anxiety. It wasn't just a one-time thing. Maybe this is chronic anxiety. Well, is there a demon, you know, affecting my mental health? Odds are, maybe, maybe not. I mean, for the most part, there's always going to be temptations. There's always going to be certain normal influences, shall we say. But does that mean that every every instance of mental health, every instance of feeling depressed or anxious is diabolically influenced? Not necessarily. For the most part, probably not other than normal temptations. But when it comes to if I'm going to diagnose something, I got to say, how long has this been going on? How consistent is this? Is it pretty much the same symptoms throughout? Just sometimes a little more intense, sometimes less intense? Then yeah, that's the case. If it's been pretty consistent, a month, two months, three months, the symptoms of anxiety are about the same. I'm anxious about the same things. They don't seem to go away. Or I'm feeling depressed and I just can't get out of this funk. Some days are better, but for the most part, you know, it's like this. That's pretty consistent. I can make a diagnosis. I can say, you know what? You suffer from generalized anxiety. You suffer from major depressive disorder. These are the right medications to give you. I think you're going to feel better. Um, but I need that consistency. I need to know that this is a consistent message. Why do I say that? Because if anybody wants to discount Our Lady of Fatima, which there were a lot of people who did, which is kind of uh, hard to do when you look at all the evidence, we got to go back and realize that anybody who believes is going to believe. Anybody who's chosen not to believe, no matter how much evidence you give them, they're going to find a contradictory evidence. But if you want to be able to talk to people about, hey, what's going on with these prophecies? Why is it that we're worried about this? Or why are we more focused on this in our present time based on the events going on in the world? I'd say do your homework and say, you know, this message is pretty consistent. It's not just Our Lady of Fatima, Our Lady of Akita, Our Lady of Good Success. And we're going to look at some of these prophecies in the show today just to see how do they compare? Let's do our homework. Let's see how do we compare uh, the different messages of Our Lady and are they the same? If the message is not consistent, then you start to wonder, what's the accuracy? Is this is this real or not? Should I pay attention to it or not? But if we start to see that, hey, there's a consistent message here. It's a message every single time in different times uh, in our in our lifetimes or different years that, that these apparitions have taken place or these prophecies have come up, then it's pretty good, you know, it, it, it's pretty fair to say this is a consistent message. Now, people will tell you, well, yeah, that happened, so that prophecy was from so long ago and there was no punishment. I would say, well, maybe men's hearts listened to it and they changed and they were able to pray. But if the message is consistent and people say, ah, you keep saying this is going to happen, this is going to happen, but it doesn't happen, and the idea of God's justice is the same, that's a pretty good, credible message. You know, it's it's God's justice doesn't change. God is God is consistent himself. His justice is always going to be there. And it's not like he's like we're hearing, oh, there's going to be new punishments or anything like that. The message is the same. The the justice the idea of God's justice is the same. So why don't we look at some of these prophecies, see how they compare see what's similar, see what's different. And really, more than anything else, do we? Uh, what do we want to do about it? Because honestly, these messages should be a message of hope for us. It should be a message to remind us that God cares enough for us that he sends Our Lady to give us these messages beforehand to help us prepare, to help us improve. And that, my friends, is a big, big sign of God's mercy. More on Our Lady's prophecies when we come back from the break.
All right, well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Today we're talking about what's going on with Our Lady's prophecies, what's going on with how they apply to our time. Should people be worried? Should they not be worried? I always say, let's go back to what Padre Pio said, and he said, pray, hope, and don't worry. That's the most important thing. Is it important to hear these prophecies, to learn about these prophecies? I think it is, because I think it's a good reminder that, you know, we live in a world where there's consequences to our actions. We are responsible for our actions. We forget that sometimes. You know, we in society, it's very easy, uh, or we're encouraged, I should say, to say, you know what, that's not that big a deal. You don't have to worry about about that. Or how many times have you gone to confession and heard, well, don't worry, that's not a sin. I can't tell you what your personal relationship with Christ is like. I can't tell you what your personal relationship with God is like and what might be sinful uh, in, you know, obviously the Ten Commandments are are what we follow and that's across the board for everybody. We have to follow them. But you might commit an action that's a, a sin for you and might not be a sin for me. Why? Because of our personal relationship with Christ, because of where we are in our lives. Because if I, you know, if I say to my brother, if I admonish my brother, that might not be sinful because he might be doing something wrong. But if you go admonish your brother, that might be simple because you might be doing it out of pride or something. I never know. You don't know the individual situation. And this is where if somebody comes to confession or if one of us feels like, you know what? I know that that's a sin in my heart. I committed a sin because I did betray God. Not being scrupulous or anything like that. Just matter of fact, it's important to consider that. A lot of times people will give you the buy and say, no, don't worry. God's merciful. You don't even have to go to confession. God will forgive everything which is not true. That's not the case. That's not what we know to be true as Catholics. That's not what Jesus said. But these prophecies, I think, are a good reminder that, you know, if we don't watch what we do, there is sin, there is consequence for our sin, and we are responsible for our actions. The first prophecies I want to look at, because I know a lot of our of our listeners know Fatima pretty well, and we always study Fatima. We're going to get to Fatima towards the end of the show, but this is where I want to see, is there consistency in the messages, in the messages of Our Lady? Well, if anybody knows of Our Lady of Good Success, Our Lady of Good Success appeared in Quito, Ecuador, and she appeared to Mother Mariana of Jesus, um, and <clears throat> she did mention that there were going to be prophecies that were going to happen. The feast day of Our Lady of Good Success is February 2nd, but let's get into it. Let's see what prophecies Our Lady said. We should listen to her, what what we know um, to be true from this. So this is one of the first things. This is what she told. This is what Our Lady told her, told Mother Mariana. She said, the Pope's infallibility will be declared a dogma of faith by the same Pope chosen to proclaim the dogma of the mystery of the Immaculate Conception. He will be persecuted and imprisoned in the Vatican through the usurpation of the pontifical states and throughout the, through the malice, envy, and avarice of an earthly monarch. And is this true? Is this what happened? We're going to get to that in a second. But let's look at some of the prophecies as far as what I really want to focus on is, what are the prophecies that pertain to our time? What is it that she said was going to happen in the future, and what must we do about it? Well, this is what she said. Let's look at this. And does this sound familiar or not? Unbridled passions and sacrilege. Unbridled passions will give a way to a total corruption of customs because Satan will reign through the Masonic sects, targeting the children in particular, 
to ensure general corruption. Do we know about that? Have anybody's been around lately? You've listened uh, to the stories of child trafficking, of corruption of children. This is the targeting of the children in particular. You know how, and we don't even have to go as intense as that. How how is the education of our children nowadays? What is the world teaching? What is our society teaching our children is right or wrong? What are they telling them is right in terms of um, how to express the sexuality God gave us? We got to ask ourselves those questions because this is important to consider. This is the targeting of the children. How many times have we heard we're going to come for your children? You know, what's that all about? To teach them what? To teach teach them that they shouldn't be pure and chaste? Got to ask ourselves that. Is this one of the prophecies that's happening today? Unhappy the children of those times. Seldom will they receive the sacraments of baptism and confirmation. As for the sacrament of penance, they will confess only while attending Catholic schools, which the devil will do his utmost to destroy by means of persons in authority. Do we see that nowadays? You know, if you look at uh, the news or just look up any any articles on Catholic colleges or uh, colleges that claim to be Catholic, are they following the Catholic faith? Are they saying, look, this is what's true. This is what's in the catechism of how you should lead your lives. Or are they saying, no, you know what? You can do whatever you want. If you feel like you need to go out and have an abortion, go for it. Don't worry about what the Catholic church says. If you feel like you want to do uh, you know, if you want to be promiscuous outside of marriage, that's okay. You know, we'll help you out. Is that the case? Look it up. You'll see that that's that's the case in lots of colleges. This is what it says. The same will occur with Holy Communion. Oh, how it hurts me to tell you that there will be many and enormous public and hidden sacrileges. Do we hear about that? Do we hear about our Eucharist being profaned? Um, do we know that people will steal the Eucharist and use it to uh, do either evil rituals, witchcraft, things along those lines. Yeah, we see that all the time, actually. We see that in in deliverance ministry, sadly. Um, sometimes it makes it to the news that our prelates are, are not being holy with the Eucharist. Um, but let's not forget, though, before we start getting too scandalized, God is still making miracles. There was a miracle here in the United States where it's still under investigation. I'd love to see the outcome, but where the Eucharist was going to run out. They were running out of hosts at a mass, and all of a sudden there was a multiplication of the hosts. We need to see uh, how well that plays out. I know that was somewhere in the East Coast. I think it was Connecticut or Rhode Island, somewhere around there. But we need to see how well that plays out. You know, God is still with us. We can't be too alarmed. Our prayers are still going to work. But when we listen to these prophecies, we hear that the, during end times, it sounds pretty familiar to what we're going through. It says, in those times, a sacrament of extreme unction will be largely ignored. Many will die without receiving it, being thereby deprived of innumerable graces, consolation, and strength in the leap from time to eternity. And this is pretty sad. This is where we want to stay in touch with our parish priests. We want to find a good parish priest. We want to prepare for ourselves. You know, if I am uh, not doing well, if I'm going to die, who's going to give me extreme unction? Who's going to come on that last day? Do I know that there's a priest who believes that this sacrament is important? This is how we prepare ourselves regardless of the prophecies. The most important thing we want to ask ourselves is, how am I preparing myself for heaven today? You know, the prophecies can be kind of scary. I think they're important to listen to. I think they're a good reminder that I need to prepare myself. But we're sometimes waiting for something in the future. What's going to happen next month? What's going to happen in two months? That's good to do. But I also want to prepare myself today. What am I doing to alleviate my anxiety about any of this? What am I doing to alleviate my depression about any of this? So that in my heart, I can say, you know what? I don't know what's going on in the world entirely because 
I'm not in charge of the political parties, but I'm going to prepare myself for God today, and I'm going to put everything in God's hands. I think that's one of the most important things that we can remember. Now, here's an important prophecy. Here's something to look at. Remember, this happened uh, between 1582 and 1635. So this is a while ago here in, in uh, Quito, Ecuador, that Our Lady of Good Success was around or gave her prophecies. Listen to this. Let's see if this sounds familiar. The sacrament of matrimony, which symbolizes the union of Christ with the church, will be thoroughly attacked and profaned. Masonry, then reigning, will implement iniquitous laws aimed at extinguishing the sacrament. They will make it easy for all to live in sin, thus multiplying the birth of the illegitimate children without the church's blessing. Does that sound pretty familiar? What is the, what's the state of the sacrament of matrimony now? Do we understand it to be a holy sacrament? Do we understand that marriage is a holy sacrament? How many times do we hear, I don't need a piece of paper to tell me that I'm in love with somebody. How many times do we hear, you know, marriage, have at it. There's no, there's no uh, set formula for marriage. It doesn't matter if it's between a man and a woman. How many times do we hear that? You know, our church is very clear about what marriage is and what marriage isn't. Our church in the Catholic faith, church is between a man and a woman, and the purpose of church is both unitive between the couple and procreative. If we don't have the procreative component, then, then we got to ask ourselves, is this a true marriage? Not according to the Catholic faith. One of the most important things, though, that we forget now as Catholics, we're married, we have children. Is that enough? And what I mean by is that enough? Let's look at the next part. This is, a, this is the next prophecy. And this is important because it's tied into marriage very strongly, secular education will contribute to a scarcity of priestly and religious vocations. Secular education, how is this tied into marriage? One of the things in our marriage vows when we get married in the church, I still remember this, is that we will bring up our children in the Catholic faith. Okay, so we're married, we realize it's a sacrament, I tell my wife, yes, you know, we are in a sacrament, we got married, we have children, we got married, uh, you know, through the church, we received an official sacrament, we're hoping that those graces come into our relationship and our marriage. Um, but then what does secular education have to do with it, Dr. Sandoval? What, how, how, as a married couple, are we responsible for what say, the public school system is teaching or what the school systems are teaching. The reason we're responsible for this is because we decided when we got married, or I shouldn't say we decided, we promised as part of the part of the marital ritual that we were going to bring the children up in the faith. Now, a lot of people feel like, you know, as long as I send them to Catholic school, if I send my kids to Catholic school, that's good enough. They're going to learn, they're going to learn the faith there. But the reality is, even Catholic schools are not responsible for teaching the kids the faith. We are. It's a great supplement. But in the home, that's where we teach the kids the faith. Well, what am I supposed to do, Dr. Sandoval? Am I supposed to get a textbook and sit down with them? Am I supposed to? How do I teach my children the faith? It's very simple. First, you're already teaching the faith by example. If mom and dad are going to church, the kids are going to see that. If mom and dad are lazy about going to church or decide, you know, we can blow off this Sunday. It's okay. It's not that important. Or, you know what? We missed the 10 o'clock mass. We always go to mass at 10 o'clock. Uh, we'll have to wait till next week to go to mass again because we missed the 10 o'clock mass. No. If, we, if you live somewhere where there's only one mass, that might have to happen. And, you know, hopefully you missed it for good reason and whatnot. But if you live in an area like anywhere in Southern California of, uh, that's populated, Los Angeles, San Diego, Orange County, 
there's masses all day long. We miss the 10 o'clock. Well, we're prepared for the four o'clock. And if we miss the four o'clock, let's make sure we make it to the seven o'clock. And if we're having a tough time going on Sunday, well, let's go to the Saturday vigil. There's always a way to get to mass. The question is, are we making that effort? Are we making it a priority? Are we letting, letting our kids know, hey, it's Sunday. The first thing we got to figure out is where are we going to mass? What time are we going to mass? Are we teaching our children to go to confession? Hey, we got to go to confession. Let's go at least once a month. We're going to go as a family. Let's go as a family. Let's go to confession. And then after that, let's go get a lunch or a brunch or let's go do something together because this is, should be a, a, a celebratory time. We all went to confession. We went to the priest. We told him what our sins were. We should celebrate. We were just absolved of our sins. Let's go celebrate. Let's make it celebratory. Confession can seem like a really heavy, heavy sacrament. But the reality is, it should be a sacrament of joy. I'm going to go make friends with God again because I realized in my heart the way I was living was not healthy, was not good for my soul. That's where the secular education, this, this prophecy of secular education will contribute to a scarcity of priestly and religious vocations. Are we only teaching our kids secular things? When we start doing this, when we as parents start giving the example of living our Catholic faith, our children will see that. And vocations to priestly and religious life will grow, I guarantee it. More on Marian Prophecy for our time when we come back from the break. All right, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Today we're talking about Marian prophecies. Let's compare and contrast them. Let's see what they have to say. Right now we're talking about the prophecies from Our Lady of Good Success from Ecuador. And it's important to realize how similar are these prophecies to prophecies we've heard in most more recent times? You know, <clears throat> there's going to be a, de uh, um, a desecration of the Eucharist. The sacrament of matrimony, which symbolizes Christ with the church, will be uh, defamed as well. It will be thoroughly attacked and profaned. How often do we hear that? How often do we hear that in our uh, our modern other prophecies? We're going to look at Akita. We're going to look at Fatima. But this is important to consider. This is all the way back from 1582 that we're hearing this. And people might say, well, why hasn't that happened already? Gosh, Dr. Sandoval, that was so long ago. You know, what are you looking at, 500 years ago here or something? You know, what, what's been holding this back? Remember, every time we pray, we change our hearts. If we show God that we understand where we come from, who we are, and where we're going to, we get back to that and we get back to our prayer lives, to leading good Catholic lives. God's going to see that. It's like any parent. When you see your kids, if they're not doing well, we let them know, hey, you can't do that. You can't keep coming home late. You're going to get punished. Give you another chance. Can't keep coming home late. How many chances do I give you before I say, no, I got to take away the car. You're not going to be driving for a while. Versus all of a sudden I see the kids say, you know what? You're right, dad. I'm going to do this right. These are the house rules. I'm going to follow them. Okay. Now you're going to get back to your responsibilities. It's no different. We don't. We didn't invent parenthood. God gave it to us. It's a gift God gave us. I didn't invent being a dad. God created the family that way. So why does he do that? Because he wants us to understand him. And he wants us to understand that we are part of his family and that he is a loving father. But just like in our lives, there has to be rules. There has to be justice. And we have to follow these rules. We have to respect each other. That's really where these prophecies are coming from. Can I respect God's laws in our lives? Can I not focus on power and money and things of that nature? And really, more than anything else, try to make it to heaven. That's the most important thing. 
Let's look at another uh, one of the prophecies here from Our Lady of Good Success, where Our Lady, we were talking a little bit about the family and how it's important that the family is the key to educating our children. Because why? From good Catholic families come good holy priests, come good holy nuns, come vocations. It's all that really matters. Let's look at the other prophecy here. So once we have that, let's say that we we say, gosh, you know, we were so lucky, we were so blessed. My child, my my son became a priest, my daughter became a, a nun. Let's see what, what this happens though. Let's see what, what the prophecy is for holy orders. It says the holy sacrament of holy orders will be ridiculed, oppressed, and despised. For in this, both the church and God himself are, are oppressed and reviled since he is represented by his priests. Jesus is represented by his priests. Who wants to take down Jesus? The devil, of course. The devil's always been wanting that seat in the Vatican. That's really what this whole fight's about to begin with. When all of a sudden, our, when God showed the angels, this is what's going to happen. This is what I see in my future. I'm going to become, uh, uh, I'm going to take on a uh, human nature, even though I'm a divine person. Jesus is going to take on a human nature. He's going to go down and we're going to have humans um, be in charge of the church. <clears throat> the devil was not going to have that. He wasn't going to be a number two. He wants that seat at the Vatican. He wants St. Peter's chair. And that's still the battle today. It's no different. Why take down the church? What's the whole purpose of taking down the church? Because the church is what's in charge of the world spiritually. The Pope is representing Jesus. If Jesus were here, everybody would be listening to Jesus. There'd be no, no question about it when he comes back in his glory. While he was here on earth, not too many people listened to him. You know, he had his uh, 12 apostles who were entrusted with spreading the word, entrusted with, with spreading the deposit of the faith. Um, and really, that's what we're kind of still living today. We're not done. This is why the apostles pass on the deposit of the faith, because they say, until Jesus comes back, we got to keep doing this. Well, that's going to be a problem for the dark side. That's going to be a problem. We see that in the world of deliverance all the time. I see the devil trying to take down priests all the time. The priest is the prized possession. Why? Because he is the direct representative of Christ on earth. That's all it is. The priest is a direct representative of Christ on earth. If we do not pray for our priest, if we do not help our priest out, if we are not... Uh, conscientious around our priests and trying to be as chaste ourselves around our priests. And what I mean by that is, you know, if we have priest friends, sometimes we we uh, take it for granted that, oh, they're my buddies. So, uh, you know, we'll say jokes or things that maybe are not as appropriate. No, we got to conduct ourselves as, there's, as if there's always Christ around, there's always a priest around and remind ourselves that we want to encourage our priests to be holy. We don't want to change that, whether it be in, in the private sphere or the public sphere. We want to show them that reverence that they are a priest 24 7. you know just because you might all of a sudden be in civilian clothes and you don't have your collar on you're still a priest it doesn't change anything and i want to help you with that i want to help help by maybe not saying off-color jokes maybe i shouldn't be saying those anyway right i mean not that we normally do but sometimes we get a little bit lax or realizing that if we're going to go out somewhere let's make sure that it's somewhere that's prudent that's not going to interfere or lead the priest into temptations you got to remember the temptations that we each have are going to be different. The priest's temptations are going to be different from my temptations that are going to be different from other people's temptations. And the priest, I might go somewhere where it's no, no big deal. You know, I see that there's some moral corruption, but it doesn't affect me directly. I, it doesn't really cause me to sin. But if I'm with a friend who's a priest, who knows? You know, there might be a place where 
you know, you go to restaurants and how is the staff dressed? Uh, are they are they prudent? Are they not prudent? To me, it might not be a big deal because I might not focus on that, but I don't know what kind of temptations my priest friends are under. I don't know what uh, what how the devil's poking them in their mind and their hearts. We got to be we got to be uh, sensitive to that and realize I want to help my priest out because he represents Christ. If he represents Christ, where would I take Christ to? Where would I want to hang out with Christ? What would I want to show Christ? These are important things to consider. This is what it says: the devil will work to persecute the ministers of the Lord in every way, working with baneful cunning to destroy the spirit of their vocation and corrupting many. Those who will thus scandalize the Christian flock will bring upon all priests the hatred of bad Christians and the enemies of the one. So this is what happens, folks. All of a sudden, we end up with a priest who unfortunately might have fallen or who might not be um, leading his faith the way we know that Christ wanted, Not maybe not preaching the truth of the faith. And all of a sudden, what happens there? This is where we want to pray for our priest, because that one priest is going to scandalize a lot of people. And a lot of people, because of that, will actually want to leave the faith. And the idea is, well, if that priest is bad, this isn't the right faith, this isn't the right church. And that's not the case. We want to stay where the church that Christ left for us. We want to remind ourselves that our priests are human. This is why we want to help them out. It's a big burden to carry, if you will, a happy burden. But it's a big sacrifice to carry to say, hey, you got to carry on the mission of Christ. Sometimes it's hard to know how to carry that out. We want to help out our priests. So what else does it say here? It says, um, the Christian flock will bring upon all the priests the hatred of bad Christians and the enemies of the one, holy Roman Catholic Church and Apostolic Church. This apparent triumph of Satan will cause enormous suffering to the good pastors of the church and to the supreme pastor and vicar of Christ on earth, who, a prisoner in the Vatican, will shed secret and bitter tears in the presence of God, our Lord, asking for light, sanctity, and perfection for all the clergy of the world, to whom he is the king and father. So obviously a lot of, remember, this is a prophecy from 1582, a lot of strife being prophesied. I know during World War II, the Pope was trapped in the Vatican. This is true. This is what happened to, to the Pope. He was trapped in the Vatican. He couldn't get out for a while. He was a prisoner in the Vatican. And how was he supposed to minister to his flock? This is from Our Lady of Good Success in Ecuador. Let's look at something here. Let's look at Our Lady of Akita. This is from 1973. So now this is after Fatima. So the message before Fatima, pretty similar to the message of Fatima. Now let's look at what the message of after Fatima is Sister Agnes Sasagawa, uh, she is of the Handmaids of the Eucharist in Japan, June 12th, 1973, began to receive heavenly visions in a convent located in Akita, Japan. She first saw angelic beings worshiping the Eucharist, but then on July 6th, so about a month later, 1973, she saw a wooden statue of the Virgin Mary speak to her relaying a powerful message similar to what the three shepherd children received in Fatima, Portugal. So this is why we're comparing. So now, remember, Fatima was 1917. All of a sudden, fast forward, 1973, right? 200 plus years later. I mean, sorry, not 200 plus years later, pardon me. We're looking at only, only 60 years later here. So we're looking at prophecies from nine, from 1500s. Now we're fast forwarded. We know that there's Fatima in the middle of 1917. And then 60 years later, we got Our Lady of Akita. 
a statue's bleeding is appearing in Japan, but the message is very similar to Fatima. Is there consistency in the message? Is this worthy of belief? Well, the local bishop, um, Bishop Ito in Japan, he approved the apparition and he said that this was supernatural origin and it's worthy of belief. Now, the Vatican has not made an official statement as far as I know up to now, but it can be approved by the local bishop. They leave it to his discretion. Let's see what one of the prophecies here from Akita is. Well, first of all, the primary message of Our Lady was similar in content to the apparitions of Fatima. The message focused on praying the rosary and doing penance for the sins of humanity in order to secure peace for the world. The rosary was seen as a key to prevent any future calamities from happening. Is this a pretty consistent message? Fatima, Akita, the rosary? Absolutely. So we got to look at that. But what is in the context of the message? This is what Our Lady told her. She said, the work of the devil will infiltrate even into the church. Sound familiar? Didn't we just see that priests were going to be uh, uh, corrupt or that they were going to be uh, uh, persecuted as well? Well, this is going to be infiltrated even into the church in such a way that one will see cardinals opposing cardinals, bishops against bishops. The priests who venerate me will be scorned and opposed by their confreres, churches and altars sacked. Now, did we see any of this today? If we look at different movements of the church, we see a whole lot of this. Bishop against bishop, cardinals against cardinals. We're going to look at a lot more of this when we come back from the break in terms of what does this mean for us? I'm going to keep reading the message from Our Lady of Akita, and then we're going to go back to some of the message from Fatima and see how do Ecuador, Akita, and Fatima all line up. Are they worthy of belief? Should we start praying our rosary every day if we're not already doing it? Absolutely. More after that. All right, folks, well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Today we are talking about Our Lady's prophecies. What do they mean for our time? Should we really be focused on what's going on in the world today? We got these concerns over the wars in Russia. We got the Pope who's going to go visit uh, Moscow and is supposed to meet with um, the, uh, <clears throat> the patriarch of the Orthodox Church and see what's going on there. We have some religious issues going on, some political issues going on. And the reality is it's all one and the same. What's going to happen here in the month of August, the month of the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady? Well, we have yet to see, but what can we do about it? We can sit here in fear and wonder what what's going to happen and just be afraid, or I can actually do something about it and say, I think I'm going to take on a prayer life. And I think that regardless of what's going to happen, I have no control over that. I can control my prayer life. I can control worshiping my God. I can control how I'm going to approach my faith. Well, we're talking a little bit about the prophecies here, actually a lot about the prophecies, but we're looking at the prophecy of Akita, Japan. How does this compare to the prophecy of Our Lady of Good Success in Ecuador? How does it compare to the prophecy of Our Lady of Fatima? Well, let's keep reading the prophecy. I'll start again. It's a short paragraph, but it says it was one of the most powerful paragraphs. The work of the devil will infiltrate even into the church in such a way that one will see cardinals opposing cardinals, bishops against bishops. The priests who venerate me will be scorned and opposed by their confreres, churches and altars sacked. The church will be full of those who accept compromises and the demon will press many priests and consecrated souls to leave the service of the Lord. Pray very much the prayers of the rosary. I alone am able to still save you from the calamities which approach 
Those who place their confidence in me will be saved. Okay, a little bit to break down here. And it's important to break down because we don't want to have any confusion. Let's start at the top here. Cardinals opposing cardinals, bishops against bishops. Do we not see that today? The church, unfortunately, is going through many changes and many things such as synods where we wonder what's going on in the church in Germany. Why is it that they're trying to change all the teachings of the church when it comes to holy orders, when it comes to priestly vocations, when it comes to marriage? Uh, it seems like we're using this uh, word of a synod. We're using this word of, uh, oh, we're going to have a meeting. It sounds very uh, democratic, but the reality, you know, we're going to take a vote. But the reality is there is no vote. The, the, the rules, uh, shall we say, the rules of the game, the laws of God, the deposit of the faith is very clear. It was brought to us by Christ. And the bottom line is, do we follow it or not? Do we open the catechism of the Catholic Church and say, this is what I'm going to follow or not? You know, that's really what it comes down to. Jesus himself told us, either you're with me or you're against me. We got to make that decision. There's no lukewarmness. What does Christ tell us about lukewarm Catholics? Or I should say lukewarm people. Um, he spits them out. He says, I vomit you. He doesn't like lukewarm where you say, eh, I'll take it or leave it. No, you got to make a decision. And Christ is asking us to make a decision. Do we see cardinals opposing cardinals? Do we see bishops against bishops? I believe we do. I believe that <clears throat> there's a whole lot of infighting going on where some cardinals want to change some of the ways that we practice our faith. Some bishops want to change the way we practice our faith. I thank God every day for Bishop Strickland because he's not afraid to stand up for the deposit of the faith. He's not afraid to say this is what the truth is. I've met him on two occasions. Very holy man. He's definitely the bishop in my heart, if we will. If I have a question about how should I follow my faith, what should I do? He's the shepherd I'm turning to. Why? Not because I think all the other bishops are bad, because I can honestly say, I really don't know all the other bishops because they're not getting out there and speaking out. Bishop Strickland, I can listen to while he's being interviewed by Terry Barber here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And if you haven't heard that show, listen to it. He's not afraid to tell me what the truth is. I look to him as he's holding up his miter, he's holding up his staff, and he's telling me what the truth is. That's who I follow. If, and if you notice, folks, the truth that he's going to tell you is very simple. It's not that hard. Open up the catechism. It's right in there. But it's important to hear it come out of the mouths of our bishops. I thank God every day for Bishop Strickland. Because when there's bishops against bishops and cardinals against cardinals, that's who I turn to. What am I going to do in these times of prophecy? Well, I'm going to look for the truth. Now, priests who venerate me will be scorned and opposed by their confers. Well, we see what's happening to poor Bishop Strickland. He's, you know, all of a sudden you do something right. You go and you um, oppose uh, any kind of simple activity and you preach the truth, then all of a sudden the Vatican comes down and says, well, we better investigate. Yeah, this is what's going to happen. You know, it's going to be a, a, a challenging time because the devil wants to quiet him down. Please pray for Bishop Strickland because I'm sure that he's going to be a whole under a whole lot of attack, not just politically from the outside, but internally. You know, the devil has a way of making us doubt about things, but he's holding strong. We're going to support him. And this is one of the things that I want us to remember as we see here you know, in the prophecies in, in Ecuador, we see the prophecies in uh, Akita, Japan, and Fatima, that the demon will attack the church. Well, we got to pray for our priests for sure. So now let's look at the next part where it says, the church will be full of those who accept compromises and the demon will press many priests and consecrated souls to leave the service of the Lord. Again, accepting these compromises 
what's going on with the synodality, what's going on with some priests and cardinals and bishops saying, you know, we don't have to follow the faith in this way. We're starting to compromise. Christ doesn't want any compromise. It's very clear. Never said it was going to be easy. Christ didn't compromise on the cross. He didn't say, you know what? I think I'll take a little bit of a compromise here. I'll I'll do a lifeline. Go ahead and give me some water first. He didn't do that. He said, there's no compromise. I got to make see this through to the end, no matter how hard it is. Now, Our Lady says, pray very much the prayers of the rosary. Sound familiar? This is in Japan. Same as Fatima. There's no difference there. There's This is the consistency I'm looking for. Now, here's where people get a, a little bit concerned because she says, I alone am able to still save you from the calamities which will approach. And people read that and they say, well, Our Lady can't save us. Only Jesus can save us. She didn't say she was going to save our souls and get us into heaven, which I'm sure she has a lot of pull. She said, I'm alone. I am alone able to save you from the calamities which will approach, meaning that she can soften God's justice, that she can talk to our Lord. She is still the queen mother. She sits on that throne. If we look at history, if we look at the Old Testament, the queen mother is the one who would listen to the cries of the people and take their concerns to the king. She could let the king know, let's move this way. Let's move that way. Not that the king doesn't have the final decision. The final decision is that of Christ. He sits on the throne. He is the king. She's the queen mother. But Our Lady can let him know, my son, I think we need to move in this direction, or why not have mercy on these people? He will listen. He will listen to his mother. He has no choice because that's how much he loves her. This is where we need to realize, hey, what are we going to do about this? What are we going to say? What, what can we do in our hearts to uh, make sure that Jesus' heart is softened and that he sees that we are sincere in our approach to him. Well, let's look at this. If we feel like we're in the end times, we know the secrets of Fatima. We know we know the third secret. What I like to look at from Fatima, which I think we can consider a secret as well, is what Sister Lucia de Santos said um, later on. She wrote a letter where she said she had an interview with an Italian cardinal. And this is what she told him. In one of the apparitions that she had later, she said, the final battle between the Lord and the kingdom of Satan will be about marriage and the family. Don't be afraid, she added, because whoever works for the sanctity of marriage and the family will always be fought against and opposed in every way, because this is a decisive issue. Then she concluded, nevertheless, Our Lady has already crushed the head, uh, has already crushed his head, the head of Satan. We see that in the book of Genesis. This was uh, written to Cardinal Kafara. Um, and he's, he added that speaking again with John Paul II, you could feel that the family was the core since it has to do with supporting the pillar of creation, the truth of the relationship between man and woman between the generations. If the foundational pillar is damaged, the entire building collapses. And we're seeing this now because we are right at this point and we know it. Any different from the message of Ecuador where we talked about the family? Any different from Fatima where we're talking about praying the rosary? Any different from Akita where we're talking about praying the rosary? We're talking about the, con the, the condition of the church. We're talking about the condition of the family. We're talking about praying the rosary. The, the messages here are extremely consistent, extremely consistent. It's about an attack on the family, an attack on the priest directly, and that we need to pray to improve our lives. This is, you know, what's the idea behind all these prophecies? What's the point of talking about the corruption in the church or the uh, the battle against the family? What is all this? What, what does it come down to? What it boils down to is, if we do not lead, 
our lives towards Christ. If we not, if we're not willing to make those little sacrifices every day, it could be a little fasting. It could be I'm not going to gossip. It could be I'm not going to, uh, you know, I'm going to change my routine today and make sure that prayer is the focus of my life. If we start doing that, we're going to see big changes in our lives. We're going to see a change towards the better. Are we willing to do that? It's I say little sacrifices. Guess what? It's hard. It's hard because it's a change. It's hard because we're not used to it. But when we don't do that, we do start getting spiritually depressed. We do start getting spiritually anxious. This is what I tell a lot of my patients when we start wondering, well, what's going on? Why is the treatment not helping me as much? I've been anxious and depressed for a long time. The medication helps. For some people, it's strictly medication. And I realize, okay, that was it. It was strictly a mental health issue. For other people, they're on medication chronically for the rest of their lives some, sometimes. And we say, okay, you have a chronic depression, a chronic anxiety. That can happen. But I wonder what's going on in your life spiritually. We're looking at these prophecies. The bottom line is, if we don't start making these little sacrifices towards God, we open the door for corruption. We open the door for evil. We open the door for the devil to try to get a foothold because he's saying, well, gee, if you don't trust in your own faith, which is so simple to do, how hard is it to pray a rosary? It's 15 minutes. If you're not willing to give God 15 minutes, maybe you're willing to give me one minute of sin. And we start to compromise, right? And then all of a sudden we think, well, it was just a little sin. Nope, that was a big sin. You know, the devil's going to lie to you. That one minute of sin is three years of suffering versus if I pray the rosary, that could be 10 years of infinite graces. We never know because God is, is not outdone in his generosity. The bottom line here, folks, is regardless of whether these prophecies are going to happen today, tomorrow, down the road, or they're going to be averted because we pray, the bottom line is whether these, you know, that God's justice comes down on us today, whether these prophecies come to fulfillment, it doesn't matter because I want to get to heaven today. I want to start living a heavenly life today. What can I do? I'm going to put these prophecies on the side and just use them as a springboard, if you will, to say, I'm going to live my life in a holy way regardless. If there's times of corruption, I'm going to pray. And if there's times of peace, I'm going to pray even more because I want to not forget the graces that God has for us. I don't want to be spiritually depressed. I don't want to be spiritually anxious. I don't want to go into spiritual delusions or psychosis. It's kind of like when we get into scrupulosity, we start to see some of that. The bottom line is you got to pray the rosary. This is the month of the Immaculate Heart of Mary here in August. My next show, I want to devote to the rosary, to the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady, because this is how we're going to avert any of this corruption, anything that we're afraid of, anything that we're concerned about with prophecies, with the breakdown of the family, the breakdown of the church, what we're going to start doing is we're going to start praying. And I guarantee you, we're going to start seeing changes, not only in our lives, but really in the lives of our parish. How many times do we feel like, oh, my parish isn't that good. The priests aren't around for confession. Well, have you prayed? Have we prayed and asked God to bring the priest back for some solid confessions? Have we prayed for the priest before they're going to do mass and say, God, please, you know, make sure that father's heart is in a good place. Or are we too worried about, well, how long is this mass going to take? Am I praying for the priest as I'm in the confessional line and saying, hey, I hope that this priest has a good heart so that he understands my confession and treats me with mercy? Am I praying for all the families, the married couples in our church and saying, I hope they lead good Catholic lives and teach their children the Catholic faith in a good moral way? I hope so. Let's keep praying. And next week, we'll talk about the rosary and more on Our Lady's Prophecies.